Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode has Kendra Ramirez, who she's somebody who really understands digital strategy. In fact, she's been in business in the digital world for over a decade. She understood social media even before people started jumping on the bandwagon of social media. I love talking with Kendra. I think you're going to enjoy this episode. She's going to tell you how you can actually tie your digital strategy in with your business strategy to get the real results that you're wanting. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Blake Benz podcast. I'm sitting down with Kendra Ramirez. Kendra is, here's the deal. She doesn't just own one company. She owns <laughs> two companies. She runs Kendra Ramirez Digital Agency. It's a digital marketing company. She's also the chief energy officer for Reset. It is a business that helps people focus on limiting beliefs, mindset, and their outcomes. Kendra, thank you for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I love doing this. So thank you for reaching out. I'm grateful. Well, we are excited to have you, and I already feel like I need to apologize because I rip on digital marketers all the time, and so now I feel a bit embarrassed. Don't bring it because I rip on them too. <laughs> well, and, and here's the deal. We can, go ahead and just, we can just go ahead and jump in here because you are in an industry that it's, it's hard to separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, and that they're... Mm -hmm. It's hard to know who really knows digital marketing. And in the same way, I'm in coaching. And actually, you're in coaching too. But we both know that you know, there's 10 million coaches out there. And many of them aren't great coaches. And uh, so I, I, in some ways, I empathize with your situation. Yeah, I completely agree. It is one of those things like there's no governing body to say one digital marketer is, you know, good compared to someone else or one coach is good, you know, to compare to someone else. I always said, you know, we need, we need like an Angie's list, you know, level of, you know, who's good and, and who, who isn't. And it is, it is tough, especially in the early days of doing this. I've been doing this for 14 years. It, um, you know, we were up against some of the snake oil that was being sold in the early days. Well, it feels like your longevity, it feels like that in and of itself is really powerful for your prospective customers. Yeah. And, and 14 years ago, when I was talking about digital marketing, I literally was told by three different business coaches that it was a fad and I shouldn't build a business out of it. Wow. So luckily I knew in every fiber of my being that they were wrong and I was going to prove it to them. All right. So we have to, we have to pause here. How did you know? Um, I love technology. So I've been um, involved in technology throughout my whole career. And I was watching what was happening at the time, 14 years ago, I was a sales leader for a Fortune 500 organization and my team was doing really well. So the peers across the country were calling me saying, hey, what are you doing? Why is your team doing well? And of course, some of it was just, you know, leadership and allowing people to play to their strengths. But then some of it was the technology we were using back then. Mm -hmm. 
back then was Manta, Jigsaw, LinkedIn, and Plaxa. So we're going way, way back. And so I saw the impact that technology was making. And people were calling me, you know, asking like, hey, can you show me how to use some of this technology? And oh, by the way, I'll pay you. I was like, hmm, I think I'm on to something. <laughs> a business plan and I took it to these, you know, quote unquote business coaches, three of them, and all three of them said, hmm, this is a fad and I don't think you can build a business out of it. And I told all of them that, you know, I think that they were really wrong. So I just, because I was watching what happened and I was listening to our customer, right, because that's what we need to all do is listen to the wants, needs, and challenges and understanding where is that common thread. And I kept hearing the same uh, problem over and over again. And I knew I had a solution to it. And I love, I just love your mentality there because, you know, a lot of people, they have their idea. And as a business business coach, I hear the idea and I'm like, man, I really don't know about that. What I like about the way you processed it is, and I'll do this for my customers, is tell them to go talk to their customers. Like I had a guy, for example, who he had a product for, it was um, like middle-aged empty nesters. And I was like, he was like, is this a good idea? And I was like, I have literally no idea because that's not who I am. (laughs) But I said, hey, go go ask your customers, see what they think. And um, I like that too many businesses don't ever even have that conversation, which is really strange, Mm -hmm. I guess, because it's, it takes, you know, putting yourself out there and taking rejection. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's like trying to develop a product inside of just four walls. Right. And you see that a lot of times in, in innovation and they're, you know, it's all the same types of people in the room and they're not talking to any potential, you know, customers or clients and getting feedback and, um, and, you know, being able to charge forward, you know, with that, that feedback and um, entrepreneurs that reach out to me or, or want to be entrepreneurs reach out to me and, and I always take those, those calls. It's just a give back because someone did it for me. And because um, I did have people that believed in me, but I always love, you know, knocking on the coaches that did it. And um, it was one of those things you do have to find people that can help, you know, level up, right? You know, take what you're doing and you also have to put yourself in position to be vulnerable to receive that information. Because if we're stubborn about it and we don't, you know, you, you listen to everything, and you only hold on to the pieces that you need to hold on to to help you grow. You don't have to take all of the information and hold on to every single nugget, um, but being able to, to listen and you know be able to shift. So when they talk about, hey, I'm building out my business plan, I always tell them, like, you have to make sure there's flexibility built in the business plan because you're going to learn and evolve. And so that business plan, like my business plan 14 years ago and today looks so, so different. And my business plan even looks different from two years ago. Because um, we're always listening to customer needs and making shifts, mm-hmm. and I, it feels like that agility piece—you mm-hmm. know—that that ability to pivot, like you're talking about—that feels like something that a lot of business owners really struggle to. Because I guess maybe because changing from one idea to the next or tweaking sometimes feels like you're kind of losing your grounding a little bit. But mm-hmm. um, it sounds like that's something that drives your business as well—that agility. Yeah, without a doubt. I think that's, you know, uh, a big reason why we have been so successful is we start listening to those commonalities again, and then we start making shifts, you know, based off of, you know, the direction that we're, we're going and, and, you know, just watching what's happening, you know, from a digital perspective, you know, in the early days, you could get away with organic social and, and be successful. And now, and it has been for several years, you know, pay to play, 
Mm-hmm. Sure, you know, you're making good investments, but it has to start with a strategy. It's interesting. I get a lot of calls of, hey, Kendra, can you run some Facebook ads for us? I'm like, okay, time out. <laughs> what exactly are you trying to achieve? Who are you trying to speak with? Like, let's back this bus up and really understand what we're trying to do and decide, is Facebook the right path? Well, it seems like the education piece is really big for you because mm-hmm. I've noticed that nowadays, because of the barrier, this is what's so odd, the barrier to entry to run ads is so small. Mm-hmm. And also there's a lot of, frankly, digital marketers, but gurus out there mm-hmm. who are saying, just run, just run Facebook ads, just run Facebook mm-hmm. ads and you'll, you'll blow up your business. It'll be phenomenal. And so I would imagine for your business, you have a lot of, um, not re-education, but really that exactly what you just said, the hang on, because I guess there'd be nothing worse than having a customer go through you guys and then be frustrated because their perception was totally different from reality. Yeah, you said it, you hit the nail on the head. It is about educating and and because it's one thing to work with, you know, organization and they immediately say, well, here's the three packages you can buy from, right? Like if you hear that, run. (laughs) Um, Because a a good, um, you know, business leaders going to ask a lot of questions. I say in the early days of working with us, and I, I um, in, in the beginning stages of working with us, I turn into a three-year-old. I'm like, why, why, <laughs> um, why do you think you're, you know, um, this is, you know, where, where you're leading from. And sometimes they're doing it from a, a gut perspective without the data. Um, and we've gone through and we've dug through and we'll, you know, make them list out like, okay, the clients that you have been successful, what about them was successful? Was it because it was a profitable thing or was it because you connected well with the organization or, you know, what exactly was it? And it's interesting how many business owners don't take the time to actually dig in and understand who is buying from them and why people are buying from them. So we do educate throughout the whole process. I think it's a total miss if you're working with an organization that isn't educating you through the process, if they're just moving into tactical mode um, versus, you know, educating and there's still people, it's 2020, and there's still people that don't know the difference between reach and impression and how the ads were. And sometimes it comes down to me asking the business owner, I'll say, well, do you even have a personal Facebook page? And they're like, no, I'm not on Facebook at all. <laughs> let's, let's really back up and understand how Facebook works and why people are there and how the ad platform works. Um, so I ask a lot of questions and I'm probably really annoying in the beginning, but we have to have a solid foundation to build off of. Mm-hmm. Well, and it, it feels like, you know, and which I really appreciate you doing that because it feels like you, um, and again, I, I feel guilty for razzing so many digital marketers and now talking to, because I, I can just tell there's an integrity to your business yes. rather than, you know, let me take your money and run. And, and that, thank you for seeing that because I absolutely feel so passionate about that. You know, at the end of the day, it's my reputation on the line. I've been doing this for a really long time. And I would never, ever want someone to have that experience, with, you know, with us. And there has been situations where people have reached out and wanted to work with us. And I actually said, you know what, this isn't a good fit. Um, so turning business away is, is okay. And I, I always encourage other entrepreneurs to have permission to turn business away. Not every organization is going to be a good fit. Or even in, in the beginning processes, you start working with someone and you think it's going to be a good fit. You start working with someone and quickly identify like, you know what? I mean, I actually did this recently and one organization, he had, you know, said, we're moving forward. We're ready to go. We were two meetings in 
And I actually sent him a note and said, you know what? I don't think you're ready for us. I think there's some internal things that you guys need to figure out first. And I gave him a couple of options of people that I know that did the type of work that I think he needed to do from a foundational standpoint before adding in our services. And he even said, he's like, I'm completely blown away that you said, you know what? Let's just put this on pause. This isn't a good good time um, that they needed to go back. And the fact that I was able to point him to a couple other people that would be able to achieve the thing that he really needed at that time. Because again, integrity is, is, you know, everything that we, you know, stand for. Now, what was it, was it about like his, his offer or like what kind of, I mean, I'm just trying to, to mm-hmm. connect what you're talking about to, okay, it's not the right time to work with us. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I know you're a coach actually- too, but go ahead. It was actually an internal conflict. So um, employees and leadership were not on the same page at all. And I told them, I said, it was a little bit of the tail wagging the dog. Mm -hmm. And they were allowing their employees to say what direction the organization was going. And and please don't take this as, you know, like um, it's, it's a you know, hierarchical leadership and, you know, what says goes. No, no, right. I get it. It was, they just were not in sync. They didn't have the same vision. And when, when everyone's not on the same page and then you throw in marketing on that, like that's just not a, there was some foundational things that they really needed first. Um, some foundational things of who their audience really is because their website, they were saying, Hey, we'll work with anyone from startups to fortune 500. And I was like, Nope. That's not mm. just Yeah. And so I was just really, I was pushing back a lot in those first two meetings. And I, and that's where I just asked them, like, you really need to have someone kind of dig in and really understand, you know, these two core areas. And then when we get in that place, then we can have a healthy conversation about elevating the organization through marketing. Now, when you started your business, were you, I mean, these kind of conversations are obviously really important. I'm just thinking back to 14 years ago, mm-hmm. you know, it was a, in which mind blowing 2006, mm-hmm. which I can't even believe. Mm-hmm. And I, and it feels like you were so ahead of the game too. Cause I feel like even the social media, you know, in a similar vein, the social media marketing or manager position, it felt like that didn't even really become uh, a, I don't even say a commonality, but a position that people hired for until like maybe 2010, 2011, 2012. So what, I mean, what were those first years like for you? Yeah, that's so completely true. And I did have a lot of people like, what is this digital thing you're talking about? What's the social media thing that you're talking about? And, um, and there was a lot of education because I was early in the market. And it was one of those things where, you know, I told them, especially being, you know, you and I were joking about being in Cincinnati, right? You know, the whole, you know, Mark Twain said, you know, hey, if I, you know, um, you know, die, I want to die in Cincinnati because, you know, they're 10, 10 years behind. Um, we've come a long way. Again, I'm not, I would never deem my community because I love, love, love our community. <laughs> it is really funny because in the early days, I did get a lot of that. I got a lot of the deer in the headlights look when I started talking about, Um, websites and social media and the importance of it in your business. And I did get in the early days a whole lot of, well, I don't need that in my business. Mm. Um, And so it's funny because I do a lot of speaking on, you know, digital. And so I just was really uh, focused on education in the early days. So I did a lot of training and workshops and speaking. 
At that point, I wasn't doing execution. So 14 years ago, we weren't doing the execution pieces. We're just doing educating, um, training and workshops and speaking. And then that way they were being empowered to be able to do it themselves. Um, but what's interesting, back to listening to client needs, I was asking them, you know, if they took a LinkedIn for business development session or a LinkedIn for recruiting session, how are they going to implement it in their business? How are they going to tie it back to their business strategy? And I got a lot of, I don't know. And so if I listening to that, then I said, okay, well, now I need to add strategy and now I need to use execution. And um, so it was a slow go 14 years ago. I mean, I did not rocket ship out, you know, um, 14 years ago and it was a bumpy ride. And I'm always very open about that. Because when it came to, I guess, 2009, 2010, I actually had to take a W-2 job. Um, I was not set up, you know, from a business structure in an appropriate way to, to sustain myself back then. And I still did digital, but I did it underneath, you know, an organization. Mm. Well, and I, I was going to ask you, actually, which you already kind of alluded to it, just what some of those... Um, challenges were. And I know this might even be a great time to talk about your other business, Reset, mm -hmm. because um, I'm sure there, were, there was um, some limiting beliefs, but also some legitimate mm -hmm. you know, punches to the gut. Because that's, that's what mm -hmm. business ownership's all about, right? I mean, you're, yes. you're really figuring that out. Talk to me a little bit more about you know, how you kind of maintained your momentum and, and if nothing else, kind of got back into the swing of things, especially after 2009. Yeah. How long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, and, it, and I, I am super open about my experience because I, I don't want other people to get stuck like I did. So structurally, I did a terrible job from setting up the business in the early days because I was chasing, you know, projects, not monthly reoccurring. And so, you know, even though it was very profitable from a project standpoint, the problem with that is you're on the hamster wheel because now you got to go sell another one. Mm -hmm. And then the balance of selling and delivering and selling and delivering, you run out of time really quickly. And so please, if your business structure is that way, like you need to make some changes because it's, um, that's really you know, why the business, you know, struggled when the economy crashed. And so um, I've been back out on my own now again, see a little over five years and um, it's been very different. So I structured the business very differently and into those monthly reoccurring services and being intentional about the providing the services that we were providing, who our target audience is, and getting really clear on that. And so identifying, you know, those limiting beliefs of even um, around um, success, around you know, money mindset. Because growing up, when I was twelve, my parents filed bankruptcy. And so from that, it caused me to look at money in a different way. And so I'm very Mrs. Budget and, um, you know, money was, is, was meant to, you know, be saved. And as a business owner, that's not smart. Um, scarcity, you know, is going to not help you grow your business, that mindset. And so I hired a mindset coach over five years ago. Um, gosh, it's been longer than that, actually. And he really helped me walk through my money story. And he's just like, you know, that's fine if that happened at 12 and it helped you. Um, you know, I have no debt. I've taken out zero bank loans um, from a business standpoint. And I'm incredibly grateful, you know, for that. So it has served me well, but it was also hindering me from bringing other people into the organization, um, uh, investing dollars in, in areas. And so now I understand that, you know, money has energy. 
And so when I'm able to receive, I'm able to turn around and bless others, bless other family members on the, the team. Um, I, I call it spot, spot, you know, kind of spot blessings. Um, you know, if you're in the grocery store um, and someone in front of you is starting to put things back, you have an opportunity to just, you know, spot like, hey, just take it. Don't worry about it. Like it's, you know, using money as a blessing and, and energy is um, such a different thing than if, I, if we were to have this conversation 14 years ago, I had a very different mindset about that. And that is a, a thing that business owners have to overcome very quickly when, and understanding that, no, when you bring others into the organization and help serve others, like I get to, I get the honor of watching business owners' goals you know, um, being achieved because of us working together and that money, you know, situation flowing. I get to watch team members grow and do things that are important to them and get them on the paths of things that are important to them. Um, and it's just, it's such an amazing feeling to be a part of that kind of that economy or that, you know, ecosystem. You know, just listening to you, it's very obvious that your why is different from a lot of people in a positive way. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's powerful listening to you, especially just, you know, um, cause I mean, what, you know, sometimes we, we forget sort of like the magic of those spot blessings, like you called it. I mean, making someone's day just that much better. I mean, did, did that, did that come from, uh, your parents? Did, has it come from like your journey? I mean, what's really shaped your mentality to, um, not just be a person of integrity, but, but just to, I just heard you talk so much already about they and them and not just your customers, but other people like employees. That's, that's very telling about who you are. And so I, I'm curious where that, where that came from. Oh, thank you. Gosh, I just, um, I just live such a life of joy and gratitude. And so part of my story with, you know, reset and developing reset was, 14 years ago, I went through divorce, depression, and a failing business. And, uh, you know, now I'm in a place of a very successful business and in a very loving relationship. I'm, you know, remarried um, and have so much joy and gratitude that I feel like I found the secret sauce that's not mine to keep. Mm. And so all the work that I've been through of hiring business coaches, therapists, um, investing in myself, you know, in the personal growth and development is like I'm taking all this stuff, all this hours and dollars that I've invested, and I hope that other people can, you know, hear some of the stories that we're going through that, and they identify it for themselves and say, gosh, if she can get through it, I can get through it. I call it the Roger Bannister moment. You know, Roger Bannister was the first person to break the four-minute mile in 1954, and because he did it, People, you know, seven people behind him two months later were also able to achieve it. And so sometimes it takes some of us being vulnerable and sticking our neck out and saying, hey, if you had met me 14 years ago, you would have seen a very different, very different person. And so that's really where this like this, you know, just set my soul on fire comes from is because I came from super, super dark place. Now, does it is it challenging to because for me, it's it's exhausting to manage one business. What, tell, walk me through that a little bit. Like, tell me what does it look like? Um, even like mechanically speaking, because mm-hmm. actually, actually as I was listening to you earlier and we were talking about how a lot of business owners, uh, and I can't remember the wording we use, but as we were talking about people get hung up, I was thinking, well, 
a main reason that business owners get trapped is because they're always fighting fires and they can't decide what is actually relevant and what they need to let go. And so mm-hmm. for you, you've, you've doubled that in the sense of the amount of fires to fight. Obviously, you're flourishing. Obviously, you have found the secret sauce. And so talk to me a little bit about managing your schedule. How do you devote resources to the right business? Is, it, is, you know, is Monday always digital marketing day? I mean, what, what does that look like? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love this so much. So, yeah, it is one of those things. In the early days of my business, I was a control freak. Nobody's going to be able to do it like me. I'm not going to bring other team members in. And boy, what a limiting mindset. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a terrible place to be. And you only have so many hours in a day if you are a solopreneur. You will only have and make so much money, you know, you know being able to do that. And, and, and I really like to say so much impact being able to do that. And so um, this, you know, shift that I've been making for myself over the several, several years was I had to let go. I had to completely let go because I, I had tied up this whole, okay, well, if the company is under my name and that's my reputation, um, you know, like then, then I'm the only one that, you know, can, can touch it and do it as well. Well, again, that is a limiting belief. That is such a fat lie um, because I don't do everything well. Uh, you know, and so to bring people that can elevate the organization and I had to really, really just let go and be okay with if we made, made a mistake. And that's hard. That's so hard because I don't like making mistakes. And, but it's one of those things where we give opportunities when we first, you know, onboard, you know, team members, um, we give them small little, you know, test clients, test things that they can do to help prove themselves and working, you know, working through that. And, and, it, and by letting go, my business took off. And so the, it was almost like one of those things, um, and I know this is a podcast and you can't really see this, but it's one of those things like if, if I come to you with a closed fist, how can I receive? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I think a lot of business owners today are walking around with closed fists. And we what instead need to walk around with our team members and our clients and our partners with an open, an open hand, you know, because of that, it allows them to live in their just zone of genius. Mm. Right? We allow other people to show up in their zone of genius. It just helps everybody. I, I use um, puzzle pieces in when I do reset in the conference and speaking, I have puzzle pieces on all the, all the tables. And to me, it's a reminder to every one of us is that we're a puzzle piece to each other. And so if we allow other people's puzzle pieces to come in, and able to get a bigger, broader view of what's happening versus just carrying on and holding on to that one puzzle piece. We don't allow others to, you know, step into their zone of genius. And, and so letting go was massive. My business took off massively when I did that and bringing in team members and just trusting. We built a lot of processes and systems and I'm not a process and system person. I am a big thinker. I look at things holistically. So to get down in the details was super painful but it had to be done in order for us to grow and talk about scheduling. And so because of um, letting go, it freed up time for me. And so that's really where the opportunity was, you know what? I really want to do reset and I want that to be a part of my entrepreneurship journey and starting another business. And, um, and I can only do it because I have an incredible team. Mm. 
surrounded by such an incredible team. There's no way I could start another business without the team members that I have. And they know it. Like I'm always telling them, like, I'm so grateful. Like I couldn't do reset. Um, and it's such a passion of mine that, you know, help other people if I wasn't surrounded by people that also um, believed in serving others. And so that's our mentality when we bring on team members is they have to have a serving heart and they have to, you know, let, you know, whatever we got to do to, you know, help these clients be successful is, is what we, we, you know, have to do. So talking about, I, I, I do time blocking. So January was crazy, crazy busy because I actually did two resets in two different cities and planned my parents' 50th wedding anniversary in the <laughs> city. Um, so January was very crazy. And, um, but I, because I am very, uh, time blocks and scheduling, um, Fridays are my Fridays. I don't do client meetings on Fridays. That is one space that I hold kind of sacred to know. I need that time to reflect back on the week. I need that time to look at the week coming up. I need that time to just dig back through and go through everything throughout the, the week. And, and is there anything that, you know, we need to you know, circle back on and follow ups. So for me, Friday is, is the day that I don't do client meetings. Um, uh, occasionally, you know, that does come up um, where I do have something that I just can't, you know, get out of. Um, but usually I really do hold those Fridays sacred because in the early days of business, I would, I would work insane hours, like crazy hours. And, um, and you can, again, only be your best version when you don't give yourself time to breathe or time to think. Um, and so the whole working, this whole hustle mentality is, is so false. Um, and again, I bought into it. Don't, don't, don't think for a second. I bought into it. I believe that, oh, you work 80 hours a week, 100 hours a week. You got to grind it out. Um, and I was burning myself out in the early days, and it was not healthy at all. I was identifying my, who I was as an individual related to the work that I was doing, and that's a really dangerous place to put yourself in. Yeah, when your identity becomes the amount mm -hmm. of hours, you know, yeah. and, I, and I get it because those hours are very tangible. So you can feel like, wow, I was so productive this week because I worked 80 hours. Right. When, and it's funny cause I am, um, I think of two sayings working in your business instead of on your business. And then, uh, the other one is, um, that's an easy one, smarter, not harder. Yes. And, uh, I remember even talking to a business owner explaining, you know, Hey, if, if, cause we're talking about his hours and he was doing 80 hour weeks and he was like, if I don't do this, the business will fall apart. And it was like, okay, then your business is broken. Mm -hmm. having to put that much time in it's there's something dysfunctional about it and i think i think you've made a great call out in that and i love gary v gary v is phenomenal mm -hmm. but he's the main proponent of this grinded out hustle culture mm -hmm. and um it it doesn't you know it, it it's a great excuse for the naive business owner to do things that don't make sense right right because there's this whole busyness right i'm so busy like all of us, you know, tell each other, oh, I'm so busy. But are you busy on the right things? Right. Exactly. That's really, that's really like I would push back in those conversations. Are you busy on the right things? Or are you busy just to be busy and looking like you're doing something? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, going back and kind of anchoring off of, you know, what were the intentions you set for yourself? What are the goals that you set for yourself? And is this quote unquote busyness really helping you move the needle? 
or is it, so especially in the early days of entrepreneurship, you know, the hustling and the, the stress, I think there's a lot of anxiety in those early days. And with anxiety, sometimes we keep ourselves busy to overcome that anxious feeling that we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, as you started to sort of, first of all, you stayed in your lane, you started bringing, bringing on people. Mm-hmm. How did you determine which position to hire first? Ooh, um, so the very first person I brought on had to be my right hand. Um, and so how we divided up in the very early days was I was doing strategy work and business development and speaking, and then he would lead the um, implementation team. He would lead the execution team. And so I really was intentional about that type of person and started interviewing and talking to several several people because I needed to let go of that execution piece and getting my hands out of the pot. And that was, I had a business coach tell me, she made me write out, and this was several years ago, made me write out on just a, a sheet of paper. She said, write down every single thing you're touching and assign a dollar value to it in one column. And then another column, what I pay myself. And you want to talk about leaping off of a page of why the heck was I doing an e-newsletter for a client? Why was I doing social media content for a client? It really leapt off the page. I'm like, that's not my lane. Yes, I can do it. But really, I'm better served for my clients to set that strategy because I am a big thinker and I'm a holistic person when we're looking at the business and then allow James and then the team that we bring on um, to do the execution pieces. And so he was um, the first person I brought in and and that um, um, we've been together, you know, ever since. And he has helped me tremendously to be able to, you know, take that and and grow the, grow the team from that perspective. That's amazing. Yeah. The rest of the team members are all specialized. So we don't have generalists. You're either a writer or a designer or a developer um, or project manager. We don't have the dual, you know, unicorns, right. You know, the writer that, or the designer that can do a little writing. We have to have people that are super deep in their skill set. Well, it's funny you say that because I was talking to a business owner who, um, and it's in some ways it's a little obnoxious, but I get it where they're like, you know, well, I need someone who can do everything. I need the unicorn. And I remember telling someone recently, I said, you know, do you know why they're called unicorns? Because they don't exist. <laughs> you know, and so the amount of energy we spend trying to get someone um, and, you know, it's the employee who you ask them, hey, what do you do here? And they go, well, well do you want to know what I'm supposed to do here or what I really yeah. do here? Because they're handling, you know, so many different hats. Mm-hmm. But um, hearing you tell that reminds me of another company that scaled actually very quickly uh, to seven figures, really within three or four years as a moving company. And his employees were all either contract or hourly employees. Mm-hmm. And he basically said every single person had a specific job. And if they couldn't tell it to me in one sentence, I knew it was my fault. I had made it too complicated. I hadn't drilled that person down enough to, this is exactly what you need to go do. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, um, I wrote a whole blog post on the day in the life of a digital marketer. You know, Because we're expected to be analytical, um, creative. Um, you know, writer, uh, also understand all the technologies. You know, there's over 7,000 systems in marketing today, like just on and on and on. And back to you, you know, that's a unicorn that there's not one person that does, you know, all of those, those things. And, um, and cause I just, you know, one day I was just writing of all the things that, you know, I've touched, you know, through the years as, as a digital marketer and, 
and that, you know, that one person doesn't do it on. And we're seeing that a lot in businesses. You know, they, they hire a marketing person, maybe their first marketing person, and then within three months, they're firing them. And that person was set up to fail from day one hmm. because they've got this laundry list of things that they've been setting on from a marketing standpoint, you know, website and brochures and um, data reporting and just, you know, all these things. And they bring in this marketer thinking they're going to do all of those and they may do one or two really well, but that's about it. And they still have to use a team like ours to come alongside them and, and execute those things for them. And it just really bums me out because I see it time and time again, organizations hiring their first marketing person and then, you know, quickly, you know, realizing that, oh, well, this isn't a good fit and let them go. I'm like, no, that's not the right, that's not the right thing. We just need to shift where their focus is and do some alignment there. Yeah, I think I fired my marketer three months in, I think he was a sociopath. So <laughs> that's, that's more the reason for him. So <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was wanting me to, um, go like rent a condo because we have this beautiful skyline in our city. And he was like, you need to go rent a condo. You need to film yourself talking about, you know, what you do for businesses. And then you need to like have the backdrop be the skyline and be like, you know, this is the place that I bought because of my business. And, basically, and I was like, I was like, come on, like surely we can build, no. can help me build my business on something that's not superficial or deceptive. Exactly. And um, he's yeah, like, at the end of, yeah, that's ridiculous. Cause at the end of the day, people are going to know, right. They're going to mm. let me go meet you at your office. Yeah. Gonna, right. Uh. <laughs> well, and he was like, he was like, Blake, this is what sells, which I, which mm. I, I get in some ways, maybe superficially mm. it does, but mm. you know, I was really trying to build a long-term brand mm. and, uh, just realized very quickly. I was like, we just aren't, we are not going to be able to work together. We have different value right. systems. So it, well, I was just going to say, yeah, it comes down to value systems at that point. Yeah. Yeah. I always find it interesting when, you know, someone, um, you know, they, they rent a, you know, a Bentley and take a picture with it and they put it on their website as a financial advisor. Right. And, and then you meet them and they roll up in a Honda Accord. You're like, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, can you, that's a brand disconnect. <laughs> I call that an okie doke. You okie doke someone, you know, it's like, uh, I was talking to a guy who it was so funny. Him and I were talking and he was explaining how he's a young guy, maybe like 19 or 20. And he was explaining like all the money he's made, all the money he's made for like different business owners. And he was wanting to, for me to hire him for lead generation. And, um, I didn't take it personal because I was like, you're a young guy. You've kind of fallen into the trap. But sure. the background, as he was, we had finally jumped on a video call. And I mean, the house was falling apart. It was a tiny little apartment. Oh. I was like, man, so you're really uh, not really taking care of yourself with those tens of millions of dollars. And he was like, well, I just like humble beginnings. And I was like, okay. <laughs> but um, that's kind of the world we're in. And so it's, it's, yeah. that's why it's so important to separate yourself from your competitors, mm -hmm. especially in a saturated field like coaching, like digital marketing. And for my listeners who are, you know, they're trying to grow their business, they're trying to build their business, and maybe they're in a high competitive field. What advice do you have for them in terms of how they can separate, how they can be seen mm -hmm. as that, that next step up, that exclusive, that great option? You know, what would you say to that person? Yeah, I, and I, you know, we run into this you know, quite often. And it's one of those things where if you were you know, to come to me and say, you know, Kendra, what do you do? Right. So here's the mistake that um, a lot of business owners make. They will say, well, I do marketing. 
eh, wrong answer, right? You have to talk about what you're able to achieve by working with you. And that's where you start separating yourself. And so, you know, what we do is we actually help, you know, clients achieve, you know, what I always say is, what would it look like if you um, had more sales than you could handle as a team? Or you had more um, talent and employees that you could serve more people on your team? Because, oh, by the way, that's what we do, right? So, like, being able to talk about the impact versus the actual what do you do, right? And you see this a lot of times at networking events. You know, someone stands up and says, I'm a real estate investor, and they sit back down. Well, what does that actually mean? And that's where the differentiation comes. And then it also comes from, you know, showing up. I don't know you exist if you don't show up. And so for years I've been saying vulnerability and visibility is what is winning in the market. You have to be able to get in front of video. You have to be able to share stories that have meaning and impact. And so that's really what's winning and how people are going to differentiate themselves is if you're able to be vulnerable and visible, you will win in the marketplace. I love it. Agree completely. That's all. Well, my opinion doesn't matter because I'm not the digital marketer. So, <laughs> but what you're saying makes sense. So, what what can the listeners do right now to follow you, to engage with you, to learn more about you? What's like the one thing that they can do? Um, everywhere in, um, under Kendra Ramirez. So, our website's KendraRamirez.com. Social media is Kendra Ramirez. You know, I'm in marketing, so I got to make sure everything matches. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally. Well, I'll put, um, I'll put a link to your website and also maybe your LinkedIn page on this episode description so for the listeners, you guys can check it out. Kendra, thank you for being here today. My pleasure. This is so fun. We can talk about this stuff all day. Oh, yeah. We'll have to talk more in the future, I'm sure. I would yeah. love that. For our audience, thanks for checking out the podcast. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast if you're a first-time listener. Maybe even leave, dare I say, a five-star review if you really enjoyed the podcast. As always, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you later.